Hi everyone, thank you so much for being the loyal listeners of this podcast. My name is Thomas Noto Suaneto, the founder and host of this podcast. For you, the new listeners, this podcast is designed to bring to you candid and constructive discussion on many important international issues from politics, economy, law, security, feminism, and others. And usually it's it's conducted through interviews with uh, so many important and outstanding foreign policy stakeholders from academicians researchers ambassadors diplomats and even young foreign policy analysts or enthusiasts drop me a chat on my linkedin and be connected at thomas notosuaneto and also drop us a message if you have any ideas for the further episodes at foreign policy talks podcast on Instagram. So, enjoy the conversation. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, the listeners of Foreign Policy Talks podcast. Thank you so much for being the loyal listeners of this podcast. And uh, today, I'm so humbled and very honored of having Ambassador Wood Giverin Ambassador of Norway to Indonesia. Um, Ambassador, congratulations once again um, for presenting your credential to President Jokowi a few weeks ago in Jakarta. I watched it on YouTube and then thinking directly to have you uh, here on my Foreign Policy Talks podcast. And uh, welcome to Indonesia again, Ambassador. Uh, thank you for your precious time. Thank you so much, uh, Noto. It's a real, uh, well, this is a great, uh, great opportunity for me to, to share some thoughts, uh, both about Indonesia, about Norway, and yeah, just really, really excited to be here. Right. Hope you are doing well, Ambassador. I'm doing fine. Uh, the weather is not so good here in Jakarta right now. It's actually raining outside, but uh, we're getting used to it. And, uh, but yeah, otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm really enjoying my time here so far. Why do you miss winter time in Europe? <laughs> I do, I do. I, I mean, I do miss. Uh, I miss. Uh, I miss skiing, and I miss the snow. Of course, now when the when winter is coming, and of course it's Christmas. So you know, a white Christmas is 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 a dream for a lot of people, also for us. Um, but I'm also very happy to be here. My my kids just came over from Norway uh, yesterday, and they are now quarantining here at home. And uh, so we are looking forward to uh, having Christmas here in Hindukata and then uh, hopefully go Jalan Jalan somewhere after that. Wow, it, it sounds very wonderful. I'm sorry for bothering you before you have a very great holiday with your kids with my questions <laughs> today. <laughs> no, that's fine. Right. So let me start with this, Ambassador. So at the presidential palace, uh, you were asked about the impression of Indonesia. And since you've been here before in early 2000s, I want to explore more by asking you, what are the shared values and vision that Indonesia and Norway have in common? And what's the similarity between two states that young people out there, the listeners of this podcast, need to know about Indonesia and Norway, Ambassador? Well, it's an interesting, uh, interesting question, uh, Noto. And I think uh, the, the first and most maybe the most obvious point is that Indonesia and Norway are two very different countries. Mm. Uh, Indonesia, I mean, Norway is a, is a very small country. 
uh, with a population of just just little more than a mi than five million and located far away up in far north Europe. Uh, whereas Indonesia, I mean, Indonesia is in many ways uh, a superpower, yeah, with huge importance globally, both in terms of its population, its geographic geographical location, strategic location, and its economic size, just to mention a few things. Uh, so I think uh, these, I mean, Norway, Indonesia are, are quite different, but I think also that in some ways, and maybe now I'm more into the sort of foreign policy uh, domain, I think that our two countries share some fundamental values. Um, and maybe the most important ones, um, one of the things I would like to highlight is our belief in multilateralism uh, and multilateralism as a way, or maybe the only way to solve the most important challenges the world is facing today. I think both our countries, um, we fundamentally believe in a rules-based international order, and we think that we need more and not less international uh, cooperation. So we've been working together with Indonesia for many years, very constructively in many of the multilateral organizations. And if, if you allow me just to mention one example, which I think is very relevant today, is, is both our countries very strong engagement uh, with uh, regarding how to um, how to deal with the pandemic, and in particular how we can ensure equitable distribution of vaccines to all countries, both rich countries and poorer countries, and also to the most vulnerable group. And here, uh, both Indonesia and Norway have played very important roles in in an international. Uh, set up called ACTA, which is called Access to COVID-19 Tools Acceleration. Uh, so Indonesia co-chairs uh, one of the groups there and Norway also co-chairs another part of it. So I think that's just one a good example of, of, uh, of, an, of an area where we are both sharing the same you know, vision and also working very closely together. Right, very interesting, Ambassador. And thank you so much for bringing up the, the issue of COVID pandemic. Um, I'm curious to know, has the pandemic or the health crisis changed Norway's in any ways? And what's the biggest lesson learned for the people and government of Norway uh, out of this pandemic? Well, I think, um, well, first of all, we are still in the middle of the pandemic, right? So I think both Indonesia and Norway are still, are still finding this uh, very difficult to handle. It has a lot of a negative effect on, on, on our countries, right? Uh, but yeah. I, think, I think even though we're still, we're still you know, in the middle of it, um, I think what I would say, since, since you're asking about Norway, that when I, when, if you sort of take a step back and look at it from, from a more sort of general um, point of view, I think, I think actually that Norway hasn't changed much fundamentally. But perhaps what we have seen is that some of the important qualities in Norwegian society that were always were always there, they were always lying under the surface, that some of these qualities have become just more visible. And one of them is that Norwegians are actually very um, rule-abiding people, if I may call it that. Uh, wow. I mean, it just 
it's just that we are a very we Norwegians have a very deep trust in our government and in our institutions and also our democracy is very inclusive and we also have a very active and critical press so I think what we've what we've noticed is that in contrast to several of the countries and I'm now referring to Europe in particular where where these these things have become more problematic I think in Norway we have I think most Norwegians feel that we've been able to pull together if I can call it that in in a sort of joint effort and discipline to get rid of COVID and um, some places you know in Europe I'm referring to now not Indonesia because here people are also very seem to to you know follow rules etc but I think in some other countries in Europe you know uh, it's been more difficult to get people to get everybody on board in how to handle it but I think yeah. we we've been doing quite well in Norway. Right, right, very interesting. Were there any problems for Norwegian? Um, I mean, in in terms of um, you know the trust towards science, uh, because I know in many states, right, this is this is the problem when the government is trying to put out stricter rule to combat COVID nineteen pandemic. So, do, yeah, do they believe in science, and uh, how how do they see vaccines, for example? We have a very high, uh, we have a very high vaccination rate in Norway now. There yep. are still the odd, the odd person who does not want to get the vaccine, but in general, we have one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. And I think your question is very interesting because we have seen in some countries that uh, there's been a lot of misinformation and mm. a lot of, uh, yeah, rumors and and well, misinformation, right? And for that reason, countries have seen a need to restrict uh, like press freedom, for example. But I think in Norway, we've seen that we have both had a very um, high level of trust in the health institutions that are managing you know, all the scientific evidence and information around COVID. So we have always had like, let's say correct information. I think people feel that the scientific uh, approach has been very well communicated but at the same time we have had um, a lot of debate around the government's different you know uh, policies to deal with this if you see what I mean so that yeah. has been a very lively debate about what kind of restrictions we should impose right for example closing schools uh, which is a very difficult decision because both you want well, you don't want the pandemic to go to go crazy in your society, but at the same time, closing schools for a very long period has a lot of negative effects, right? So yes. I think we both had high level of trust in the science, in the science and good information all along uh, about the the facts. Let's call it that. But at the same time, a very lively and sometimes heated debate on what the correct measures would be to deal with this so um it's a, it's an interesting lesson right let me jump into a different topic ambassador so uh from the perspective of many indonesians i believe that norway is at the top uh, when we talk about countries with the highest living standards with a very good education education's quality what makes norway successful on this matter ambassador what's the key instrument uh, done by the government to achieve this uh, very high quality in education and economic performance? 
Well, first of all, I think um, I see where you're coming from, and it's it's a it's well, it's a very a very uh, complex question to answer, which I will do. But I also think before I do that, it's important to mention that Norway is a very new country, and a hundred years ago, we were actually a very very poor country. We were one of the poorest countries in Europe. We were a country of you know farmers and fishermen, and it was un only until the late 1960s when we discovered uh, oil in the North Sea that Norway, Norway's economy really started to grow and in a very exponential way, right? So I think that's important to keep in mind. Now, when it comes to, just as I said, what, what the, the success factors have been, it is very complex and I could talk about this uh, for hours on end but I think uh, one key factor and this is also back again to my point about the pandemic is that we have very strong state institutions in Norway and a very strong and important welfare state which basically uh, looks after everybody and uh, to finance the welfare state, we have relatively high levels of taxation, but it becomes a virtual circle because when people can see that they get good services, for example, for health and education from the welfare state, which is a, a joint effort, right? People are also quite happy to pay for that, which also gives the government the income it needs to, to develop the, the public services. So that is one uh, sort of virtual, virtual, virtual circle, I think, is, is worth mentioning. So um, wh what it, for example, means is that um, education is free for everybody. Uh, also, up until, you know, university, we don't have tuition fees uh, mm -hmm. and everybody has access to study finance through the state loan fund. So it means that everybody has the same opportunities and I think talent is not uh, is not distributed according to economic wealth right talent is yeah. is uh, can be with anybody so I think it's been uh, a key factor that uh, opportunities are there for everyone and it's not depending on your your family's financial situation and this also goes for I, I mean, I think another part thing I would like to mention is the importance of including girls in the education sector from very, very early on uh, after the just after the Second World War. And this has led to a very high level of female participation in the workforce, which has been a very important part, um, factor to explain Norway's economic development. And actually, uh, one fact worth mentioning is that women's participation in work life and the economy has been more important for Norway than the actual wealth coming from our petroleum resources, which is quite incredible. So I think this is a, this is a point that I like to, uh, to mention because it's also something that other countries, also Indonesia, should, um, should be aware of how important it is for both men and women to, to work, basically. Right. Allow me to summarize. So it's a strong state institutions along with the education and economic inclusiveness, including women's involvement. Right. Exactly. Wow, it's, it's very amazing. So let me talk about the democracy, Ambassador. You mentioned earlier that even during this 
pandemic, uh, you see that there's a there's a very good environment for um, class, for freedom of uh, expressions of the people towards the government decisions on COVID nineteen. However, you know there's a there's a regressing democracy trends right everywhere in the world, even in the United States, even for some states in Europe, especially in Asia. Has there been any challenges in Norway uh, in terms of democracy and its realization uh, in a society ambassador? How does the people and government secure its democracy? Again, I think it's a, it's a very important uh, question. And um, I, don't, I don't think democracy should be like a competition uh, amongst countries. I mean, I know there are indexes of saying which country is the most democratic one. <laughs> I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think we need to look at the fundamental values in our democracies. And I, I totally agree with you. We see some worrying trends, uh, both in, in this part of the world, but also in Europe and, and in, 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 uh, in Americas. So um, this is a general challenge. This is a global challenge. And I think I would like to, um, well, first say again that it's not a competition, but I think in Norway, we have frankly seen, we have not seen uh, much of this kind of regression. And I think mm. the interesting question is becomes then what, why is that? And what do we have in Norway that has have prevented these kinds of trends? And I think I would like to go back to my point earlier on, which is, the trust in the state, the trust in our politicians and in the public institution. And uh, also the fact we have high level of participation in the electoral processes, which again comes from this kind of trust in our society that we are a very trust, uh, trust, trust in our society is, is, a, is really is a key uh, value. Um, but I think it's important again, just to go a little bit back in, in history. Uh, as I mentioned that Norway is a, is a relatively new country, but if you look at the evolution of democracy in Europe, I mean, this happened in the 17th and 18th centuries. And it, it took into account the very different interests of different groups in, our, in the societies, you know, the, the landowners, the merchants, the common people, and, what we saw in Europe was that this led to a highly evolved party system, you know, where you have political parties that represent different points of view, and that in the electoral processes, people choose um, amongst different political alternatives, right? So people, as this, you know, developed, people moved on from, you know, electing their individuals but more towards you know, parties. And I feel personally that, and again, back to Norway's experience, that a strong system of political parties is very critical. So that people's, people's choices are about politics and policy alternatives and not just about uh, individuals. And in that way, I think democracies can also become more solid. Yeah. So that people's aspirations feel uh, very much represented in politics, not by individuals, but by the political institution itself, right? Exactly, exactly. Right, very, very interesting. Uh, Ambassador, when we talk about Norway, we always think about environment uh, corporations. And um, 
my next question is going to talk about that. Uh, we know that the Indonesian government has decided to terminate a one billion uh, US dollar deal with Norway, uh, under which Indonesia preserves its rainforests to curb carbon dioxide emissions of what's called uh, the EDD Post program. What's your uh, reflection on this, uh, Ambassador Giffen? What would be the future partnership between Indonesia and Norway in the process of uh, what we know now, the, the ambitions to have uh, net zero carbon? Well, first, I think uh, it's it's uh, the starting point here I, is that Norway and Indonesia have long-standing bilateral relations with a very strong uh, friendship for more than 70 years. I, I mentioned earlier on our, our uh, work together in multilateral institutions. And, and that's just one example. We work together all across many, many different uh, sectors and areas. And for me, it's just really, it's my top priority to further strengthen our collaboration in all these areas. And uh, it's true, we also have aligned interest in the area of climate and forests and renewable energy. And uh, we have highly appreciated our long-standing collaboration on climate and forests. Uh, we welcome the Indonesian government's continued global leadership in combating tropical deforestation and its commitment to deliver on its climate car targets. I think Indonesia has now made very important commitments to address climate change, including a target of net zero emissions by 2060. For Norway, it's just really, um, my, well, it's not just my reflections, but my government's reflection on this point is just that we are open for exploring new potential collaborations with Indonesia. We are ready to support Indonesia in all these endeavors. And um, yeah, we have a common interest in achieving net zero carbon emissions. So I really hope that we can uh, work together on this and based on also on, on Indonesia's uh, own priorities, which are very ambitious. And I think uh, Indonesia also, uh, you know, deserves international recognition for all the efforts that have been made and the great results they have achieved on uh, reducing deforestation all since back since 2016 so um yeah just um i just really want to congratulate indonesia on this and and we stand ready to, to continue our support uh to to the government right so and i think renewable energy is one of the potential sectors right that both, both states can work together in the future um, right. Absolutely, and uh, Norway has uh, a lot of uh, companies and expertise in the area of renewable energy. We are not the biggest country, uh, as I said, but we also have so, I mean, you know, centuries of experience, for example, in hydropower. Uh, we have uh, very exciting developments now, both on solar, on uh, offshore wind. So uh, there is a lot of potential uh, to work with Indonesia in the area of renewable energy. And we have a new government in Norway that also has set very high ambitions in these areas, including in its, um, its wish to uh, engage with Indonesia. So um, I think we have exciting times ahead. Right. So Ambassador, I want to talk a lot of things with you, but I know you have a very limited time and I know you're very busy. But uh, my last question is going to be, you know, that the listeners of this podcast are mostly young foreign policy enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just want to, you know, forward this questions that how could we as Indonesian youth, um, especially, 
contribute in building a stronger people-to-people -people relationship between Indonesia and Norway. And what's your program next year in 2022 that you think youth in, in Indonesia can, can also participate? Well, I think we all, first of all, we just uh, hope that this pand pandemic will be over soon so we can, uh, <laughs> we can uh, continue to travel and visit each other again. Yeah. I, uh, I would love to see more tourists and visitors from Indonesia to Norway and also the other way around. So I think, you know, we just got to be a little bit patient and one day this will all be over and everything, uh, there will be new and exciting uh, opportunities um, in front of us. Now, I, um, we do have, uh, Norway does not have any specific, specific scholarship programs uh, for students. Uh, and this is, um, but I also, like I said before, we, our education is free also for Indonesians who want to study oh. in Norway. So, uh, so there are, and there are loads of study programs in English. So there is, um, there are opportunities there. Uh, the cost of living in Norway is obviously quite high, but again, it's, it's, uh, it's free. And we do have, we have some, uh, some really, uh, really interesting uh, groups of Indonesians who have been studying and who still are working in Norway. So I hope that there will be more, um, more people coming. There are some Norwegian universities that have uh, some more formalized cooperation uh, amongst others with the Universitas Gajamala. Mm. And there is also some uh, specific study programs that our embassy can can you know give some further guidance on but i think it would be great for indonesia young indonesians to to learn more about norway you know we we are different countries but we also have a lot of similarities so we are both uh coastal nations with big oceans around us we have a lot of fantastic nature I think there's still a competition here on who's got the nicest mountains, whether it's Norway or Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you that diving is better in Indonesia. <laughs> so right. yeah, I think uh, I think it would. Uh, there are also, of course, many different international organizations like the Scouts or other groups that are doing all kinds of exchanges. So yeah, um, there are lots of. Uh, there are already um, a lot of Indonesians interested in Norway. We would love to see more. So uh, more than uh, I hope, I hope, I hope we, will, we will be able to do more exciting things together once the, the pandemic is over. Right, very interesting. You know, I'm typing the, the scholarships that Norway is offering now. <laughs> and I think <laughs> it's to highlight if you are interested in science, technology, right? I think Norway is a oh. right choice for you. Um, Absolutely. I, I was going to mention, since you, since you are, 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 are typing, you can also put like there's a special, there is a website called Study in Norway. Uh, right. I will just uh, study in, in Norway. So I think that is exactly studyinnorway.no. And that can tell you, that will tell you everything you need to know about studying in Norway basically find available I will, I, will, I will put it on the captions yeah Don't do worry. that because uh, that's your um that's your first stop right so allow me to ask this ambassador uh, allow me to be a bit naughty uh, i always ask this to ambassadors that i have on in this podcast what's the best place uh, i mean the 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 uh, you know the your favorite touristic site in indonesia and what's your most favorite food 
here in Indonesia? Well, I've been extremely lucky because, well, I've only been here three months. So first I had to cancel my trip to Bali. Uh, But the good news was that I managed to plan another exciting trip to the Banda Islands. And that has to be my all-time favorite. So Banda Neira in in the Banda Islands uh, is definitely so far my favorite place in Indonesia. It's a fantastic place, really, really far away. Took ages to get there. Um, wow. To go back to to get back to to Ambon in Muluku, we had to take a boat that took ten hours, but it was so worth it. And the diving is fantastic. The people, amazing. The culture, the history, everything is was just amazing. So this is a special thank you to to Banda. <laughs> <laughs> Good Banda. Yeah. How about and food, the, Ambassador? Uh, What's your most favorite food? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, if I have to be there, I mean, there's so much great food in Indonesia, so it would be difficult to pick one dish, but I will uh, be a bit naughty and not pick a dish, but just pick my favorite meal, which oh. was also on my trip to Banda, but it was in Ambon in Maluku, where I had the best ikan bakar that I've ever had in my life. And it was just in a very small local uh, rumah makan and just the best just the best fish ever so uh, that's been my that's been my nicest meal so far i think I agree with you i think usually the most localized is the, is the best food right that we can yes. try right exactly Thanks. thank you so much ambassador uh, word your friend uh, for your time and for your answers i hope that the listeners of foreign policy talks podcast today get a lot of knowledge about indonesia and norway bilateral relationships and what can they do to strengthen that uh, partnership um, and hope you are doing well and stay safe and healthy ambassador you too and it's been a great uh, pleasure being here and uh, yeah thank you for thank you for your interest and thank you for your attention right see you ambassador thank you